Welcome back to Between the Pages, a podcast meant to inspire Christ followers to go deeper in their faith and theology by engaging books from a Christian worldview. I'm one of your hosts, Joel Nevius, and I'm joined here as always with our resident sage, Mark Krause, <laughs> a.k.a. Tim Keller. Okay. Uh, great to see you today, Mark. How you doing? Doing great, Joel. It's good to be here with you again. Yeah. Looking I feel- forward to it. I have been, too. It's been a lot of fun doing this so far. We've got two episodes under our belt. Yes. So, I mean, we're practically experts at this podcast thing. Uh, We'll keep telling ourselves that. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Um, Well, hey, to get going, you know, in our last episode, we dove into the beginning of the Screwtape Letters uh, by C.S. Lewis. Yes. And we had a goal where we were going to try to get through chapters one and two, and we did not accomplish that goal. <laughs> we we got hung up on chapter one, which yeah. is uh, such a good, good chapter. It's easy to go deep with Lewis. Uh, yes. Because he does. Absolutely. So, you know what, before we get going into, into uh, chapters two and three today... Maybe it'd, it'd be helpful for our listeners just to have a quick, maybe yeah. synopsis of, of chapter one that we discussed last time. So what's maybe a, just a quick way of summing up what we discussed? Yeah, I think I would, I would say it in terms of, of Screwtape kind of uh, coaches Wormwood, his apprentice, in a couple of different things um, with the patient he's been assigned. He's the, the, the young man is referred to as the patient. And again, just remembering that when they talk about the enemy, that's God. Um, the first approach is he, he tells Wormwood not to be naive in terms of presenting arguments against God. And his fear there and what he tells Wormwood, which is so insightful, is that you don't want to awaken his reason. Because as soon as you really awaken someone's reason, logically thinking about the lives that we live, the world that we exist in, and so on, he's more likely to become, uh, the patient is more likely to see the rationality behind the existence of God. And so he really warns him to avoid uh, approaching it from the standpoint of arguments and awakening his reason. Instead, he says, focus on getting him to for him to focus on his immediate sensory experience. And, and you did a great job of summarizing that in terms of getting him out of thinking deeply and just get allow him to be distracted with the ordinary of every day, the everyday rush of life, um, our emotional and sensory experiences, because as we allow ourselves to be distracted by the pressures and the immediate experiences of everyday life, it keeps us from really being more aware of God. And so I, I think I would summarize it in that way. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good uh, synopsis. Uh, we had some really good uh, conversations about that. So if you're tuning in for the first time, we want to encourage you to go back uh, an episode and be sure to tune into that because it's really foundational um, as we as, as we explore Lewis's book here. Yeah. So well, let's go ahead and jump into chapters two and three, Mark. Um Chapter two begins with a little bit of a scolding it does. from a screw tape towards his nephew, Wormwood. Uh, so what's going on in this chapter? Why don't you just paint a little bit of a picture for, uh, for our listeners? Uh, what, are, what are some big things that you're kind of noticing as we jump into, into these chapters? Yeah, so the, the scolding that you're speaking of, Joel, is screw tape scolding Wormwood for allowing his patient to become a Christian. 
and Screwtape tells him to be prepared for the consequences <laughs> of whatever punishment that might involve for a demon. The, the um, usual pen- penalties. Yeah, whatever. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so now that he is a Christian, um, chapters two and three focus on uh, Screwtape's advice to him to really with respect to his relationships, his new relationship with the community of the church and the kind of people that he's going to experience in the church, as well as his uh, closest personal relationship, which in this case appears to be with his mother. So Screwtape is going to coach Wormwood now on some strategies that he can take. He tells him not to despair, that the habits of the patient, both mentally and bodily, are still in our favor, he says. Interesting. And uh, and so he's first going to coach Wormwood on how to disillusion uh, the young man with his newfound community in the church, as well as kind of messing up his life with his mother, um, especially in terms of his prayers for his mother and even his prayers regarding his own life and walk with God. And so that's what it's going to focus on. So he's going to. So here, what we see is. You know, I like what Screwtape says. He says, I'm going to make the best of this situation now that he's a Christian. And he shifts his um, focus from uh, what we talked about last week to now let's let's throw as much disillusionment in this this new Christian's life as possible. Because at this point, he doesn't have the character it hasn't been formed into a Christ-like way, so he's particularly vulnerable uh, to these kinds of attacks. Yes. Yeah, he definitely is, and, and that's what he wants Wormwood to capitalize on. Yeah. Becoming disillusioned is a good word Yeah, in terms of uh, the focus, especially of Chapter 2. Well, I agree. I mean, Mark, I don't know about you, but I wonder how many people you've talked to uh, who don't follow Jesus, who, who could care less about God, how many of them reject Christianity or fall away from it just because, man, they heard the most amazingly difficult argument against the existence of God and they thought it through after months and months of research and then they left. Sometimes that happens. But I don't know about you, but in my experience, one of the biggest things I've seen where people fall away from Christianity is the church and relationships with people. Yeah. So this seems like a really good tactic uh, for Screwtape to be coaching Wormwood on. It, it definitely is because um, we tend to have uh, both as Christians and, and certainly uh, non-Christians ha- really um, have unrealistic expectations about maybe Christian behavior within the church and Screwtape speaks to that, that the enemy's strategy is to slowly transform and change them from the, from the center outward. Right. And so we oftentimes forget that the church is full of people who are in process of transformation, where I think the church probably hurts itself the most is when Christian leaders mm-hmm. uh, fall, um, when yeah. they something happens in their life, um, you know, either surrendering to temptation of some sort. Um, but that's what not even really what Screwtape's focusing on here. He just wants um, Wormwood to disillusion his patient with just the ordinariness of mm-hmm. church life and to get him questioning, well, gosh, I felt like this change in my life, what happened was so dynamic. I believe in this God that he exists and what Christ did. And yet I'm sitting around a 
bunch of people in a worship service that have really annoying habits. <laughs> um, he says he says to him, for example. Um, Provided that any of those neighbors who are sitting next to him in the pews sing out of tune or have boots that squeak or have double (laughs) chins or odd clothing, the patient will quite easily believe that their religion must therefore be somehow ridiculous. And so it's really getting us to focus on people rather than on God, really, and Christ, keeping our focus on Christ and constantly remembering that we are a work in progress, and that the Holy Spirit um, is, is working the long game, really, in all of our lives to transform us. And if we get focused, again, kind of on the immediate and on what we're seeing from Christians in the present, we can get disillusioned. It's easy to have that happen, and so the world certainly experiences that from the church as well. Yeah, absolutely. It seems like screw tape in a lot of ways, tries to, um, he wants to reduce things down, to take things that are lofty, that are high, that are spiritual. We read the Bible and you see all these amazing acts of God. We see, you know, Mm -hmm. there's supposed to be the Holy Spirit living within us, right? you know, and it's, and it's easy for us to think, well, yeah, the Holy Spirit lives in me. And like, look at all these great things that are going on in my life. When you first become a Christian, we have that fire and then we plop down right beside that, that random guy or that, that random woman who, who might be complaining, you know, their boots might be squeaky, whatever else he said. And then it's like, I thought Christianity was this lofty, grand, supernatural thing. But then God puts me right beside this guy smacking his lips too loud with his gum. Yeah. Right? And you're like, there's just, there can be this huge uh, disconnect. Disconnect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and Screwtape recognized that and saying that what you don't want him to see the, the patient and what Christians oftentimes don't see because they're so focused on the immediate. Um, just quoting Screwtape from chapter two, he says, um, keep him from seeing the church as we see her spread out through all time and space rooted in eternity. And what he's alluding to there is really what we have seen in the strengths of Western culture in terms of the equality of right. races, men and women, what what our constitution in the U.S. is based upon. Um, so much of what we see as strength and goodness in Western culture really uh, has grown out of, of Christian values, Judeo-Christian right. values, in terms of justice and equality, all of those things. And that is amazing. The impact that Christianity has on the world has had on the world is grand. And so for that very reason, Screwtape is saying, don't allow him to see the larger church, God's people over time and the effect that they've had on the world. Rather, get him to focus on the immediate, kind of the the people that are in his congregation sitting in the pew next to him. Help him to see their immediate weaknesses and for him to kind of think, that in the light of what he's seeing in their lives, as well as with his mother in chapter 3, that maybe it does seem to be a disconnect between the grandeur of what he's experienced and what he's experiencing in the everyday lives of those around him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's easy to um, definitely to to forget that and to think... Mm -hmm. Um, the spiritual nature, but like you're saying, the consequences, what God has worked into the world by 
ordinary people smacking their gums beside you. Right. And, and the impact that they might be making at their job or with their family or their neighborhood. Yeah. We're, all, we're not thinking about that. Once again, following back into that trap, we're not looking beyond what God could be doing through our neighbor or through our brother or sister in Christ, Yeah, you know, in our small group or through, you know, whatever the case may be. But we just, oh, they have an annoying habit. Like, I'm going to focus on that instead. Well, you make a great point because all of us who come to know God through Christ and come to know what Christ has done for us and experience the reality of that, we can forget that God accomplish that in our lives through other ordinary people, you know, proclaiming the word of God, proclaiming the message of the gospel of Christ. Mm-hmm. And and the, the wow in that, the amazing thing of that, and the way that God transforms ordinary people's lives is through the Holy Spirit working mm-hmm. through ordinary people, through fallible Christians. And yet what, what isn't fallible in all that is God's word. It, it is his spirit. Um, that works to regenerate our hearts and minds to where you and I know that we've experienced that change and we see that change in others, and yet it can become disillusioning then, especially for a young Christian and sometimes for seasoned Christians, because we can still experience the 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 untransformed nature of our lives and what we sometimes exhibit, the behavior sometimes we exhibit, even as followers of Christ, because we still are a work in process. And, and Screwtape says, um, he says, oddly enough, that the enemy or God allows this disappointment. This is an interesting part. Yep. It really is. You want to say more about that? Yeah. Well, what I love about this is it does, you know, make you ask the question, well, why would God yeah. put us through seasons of that and being around people who are imperfect? And, and like, if God wants what's best, then why why isn't he surrounding me with all of these holy, amazing, saint-like people? And uh, yeah. one thing that he, he gets into um, that I love what Screwtape writes, is he says the enemy takes this risk because he has a curious fantasy mm-hmm. of making all these disgusting little human vermin into what he calls his free lovers and servants. Sons is the word he uses with his inveterate love of degrading the whole spiritual world by unnatural liaisons with the two-legged animals. Desiring their freedom, he therefore refuses to carry them. And that that is really really huge, and it, it I, is. It, it's it it's is a huge. it's a huge insight into mm-hmm. what God does. I think when any of us, when we're going through tough situations, dry seasons, and you know what He seems to be getting at, and what God does through these through these tough times, um, He goes on to say this. He says, if once they get through this initial dryness successfully, mm-hmm. they become much less dependent on emotion and therefore much harder to tempt. And so God allows these uh, these these seasons of disillusionment through the church or through you know our neighbors and family members and all these things because it seems like Lewis is suggesting that that's God's means of uh, of stripping away our dependency on our emotions yes. into the yes. truth into looking beyond uh, what's going on. 
and to where like, okay, I'm going to follow God regardless of how my neighbor makes me feel, regardless of how the church makes me feel, regardless of how a worship service might make me feel, I'm going to remain obedient and following Christ and loving other people because I'm relying on the truth of God's word. That really is so good, Joel, and it really highlights the fact that God, when 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 Screwtape says God wants to develop free lovers, um, it, it really the insight there is is that God is primarily interested in our true transformation as people over time, and if we're going to change as people over time and become people who freely love God and want to walk with God and live with Him forever. Um, and to surrender those aspects of our lives that we might otherwise want to hold on to, but that are destructive to ourselves and others, God is willing to allow us to experience the disillusionment and disappointment because in walking through those things, as you highlighted, um, we become less uh, focused on our emotions, kind of the immediate sensory experience, and become more focused on truth and who God is. And ultimately, those pains transform us over time. And God's willing to allow that happen because he's playing the long game with us. That's right. He wants us to change. He doesn't want it to just to give us some fantasy experience um, and always make us feel good because if we're always feeling good, we don't change. It really is the trials and the disillusionment that we experience that causes us to either dig in deeper with God or to to abandon the walk, if you will, out of disillusionment for a period of time and being angry with God, which happens. Um, we can get angry with God and, and just step away. But ultimately, God wants us to walk through those times because he's interested ultimately in transforming who we are. Yeah, and it seems like what screw tape is hitting at is when we go through these seasons, there's really kind of two choices to mm-hmm. make. One is once we get that disillusionment, we can allow Satan to use the disillusionment and turn it into disappointment with God. Yes. And um, in an unhealthy sense where we expect God to, to meet all of our emotional wants rather than our spiritual needs. And we get disappointed and we we begin to turn on God and we have a choice. We can do that. Or it seems like what God would want us to do when we go through those seasons is is to look beyond it and say, what could this disillusionment what could that be showing and revealing uh, to me about God? What could this be revealing to me about my own sin? Exactly. Yes. How could this be revealing all this to me and to look deeper? But oftentimes we, that's, that's hard work. And it's much easier to just get angry and criticize God and criticize church and criticize our neighbors rather than be like, Where is, what's God doing in this by his spirit? And how is he wanting me to be more formed into one who's going to love him and love others more mm-hmm. um, in a way to where he's not compul- it's not compulsion he's not forcing he's not pulling the strings and making me love them but he he by his spirit is creating freedom in my soul mm-hmm. uh, to love people in new ways and to love God in new ways yeah that's so good Joel and you know what that speaks to me is we constantly when when we're experiencing disillusionment or disappointment uh, pain in any area of life are we first praying God change me through this 
Or are we first, or are our prayers really focused on, God, remove this. I don't like feeling bad. I don't like the pain. I just want That's to, me. I that's me. I'll be honest. I think that's all of us. <laughs> yeah. that's, our, that's our default go-to is, God, I don't want to feel pain. Just make me feel good, God. You know, right. in the end, that's kind of what we're saying is, God, I just want to feel good. And so if we're, but if we're going to get on board with what God's end game really is, he's not so much interested in us always feeling good. Um, ultimately, he is. I mean, he has an end game for us, which is the resurrection and living with um, a righteous ruler forever in, uh, with Christ. But in order to prepare us for that time, he's wanting to transform us. And if we focus more on what God's end game is for us rather than our immediate sensory experience and emotions, whether we're feeling good, I think we get through, I think we're able to handle those times much better the sooner we get to that place of surrendering to God. Absolutely. You know, there's something about, you know, when, when you read the Bible, you know, you don't, uh, you don't see... Um, you know, um, you don't see biblical heroes, you know, in a sense of like those who are faithful to God, mm-hmm. just wanting God to just take all of their everything away. Mm-hmm. And they may start there, perhaps, but uh, God is always in the habit of, of, of using them right where they're at in that disillusionment, in that pain. Yes. And to build, you can't, you can't become a courageous person if you don't you know, if you don't encounter any scary situations, you can't become a loving kind of person, uh, like Christ. If, if you're not surrounded by sinners, you know, Christ came to save sinners, which shows like precisely Mm -hmm. that he was able to live a life, um, where obviously he was let down by people and people hurt him and did horrible things to him. But, he responded in turn by loving and forgiving, and yeah. that wouldn't mean so much if he wasn't surrounded by people who are hurting him. And so, absolutely. And so, with us, sometimes the medicine that we have to take to to bring about love in our own hearts, sometimes it has to taste a little bit bitter, and, and sometimes it doesn't absolutely. taste good. Well, you know, and if we're honest with ourselves, we don't become good at anything in life or really enjoy mm. anything in life thoroughly without um, having to go through the pain of growing in that area. So if you're learning, learning a musical instrument, you're not going to have the joy of playing a great piece on the piano unless you first go through years of pain of practice and, and, and stuff that doesn't feel good. But when you get to that point where you can just play songs that move people, um, it's the result of, of sticking with it and going through the pain and disillusionment of learning an instrument to really become a great pianist. Or, or, you know, a sport, any sport, you don't become great at it and really enjoy the greatness of a sport unless you go through the pain of the practice and experiencing conflict on the football field and getting, getting the daylights knocked out of you. <laughs> um, you, you learn to become better. And, and really, everything in life is that way. And so why would we expect the spiritual life to be any different Absolutely. Um, in terms of changing us as human beings? Yeah. And so, you know, in chapter two, he spends, you know, time talking about this in relationship to just the church yes, yes. and that he wants to use the church um, uh, as kind of like a great ally towards his purposes. And so I think, you know, just thinking in terms of that, that we need to be aware that the enemy 
as I'm talking, not as Screwtape talking, but our enemy, uh, Satan e- and, yes. and, and evil, yeah. they're looking for ways to turn the disillusionment and keep it from being a blessing and keeping it from turning it into and developing into Christ-like love. And he wants to sabotage it. And, and yeah. so that's kind of what we're looking at here. But then in chapter three, he talks a little bit more about... You know, so the patient's experiencing church life, but then in yes. chapter three, he turns it to more family or other relational aspects of the patient's life where right. he's become a Christ follower and now he's having to come down off the mountain into these places. And so why don't you speak a little bit um, to his strategy when when uh, in relationship or family? Um, yeah, so in chapter three, he focuses on... Uh, wanting Wormwood to exacerbate the frustrations in his uh, close relationship with his mother. So those, you know, those relationships that are closest to us, in this case, his mother. And he he says a couple of things. Um, he says, number one, get the patient focused on his inner life, his own states of mind, his emotions and feelings, to where, again, he's focused on feelings and kind of those superficial things rather than going deeper in terms of his own self-examination and his relationship with his mother and understanding what are the things that he's doing, um, this young man, that is contributing to the, um, the frustrations in the relationship with his mother. And, and Screw Tape is coaching Wormwood to get the patient to a point where his his examination of his own behaviors towards his mother are very superficial, and he's focusing more on his mother's behavior and praying about and focusing his prayer on his mother's faults, you know, her sins, and really the perceived, the patient's perceived way uh, that his mother's treating him. And so he coaches him on uh, focus his prayers on uh, get his prayers to be ineffective, basically. Right, right. To where he's he's not even focusing so much on how can I help my mother um, in terms of just practical everyday behavior, but focus on, get his focus on how he feels offended by her, how she's frustrated him and offended him. And over time, he says, if you get him so focused on that, he'll end up creating a mother who isn't right. even the real person. Right. So the strategy is to use prayer to turn it into non-prayer. Yeah. Yeah. It really is to make it something that adds to the problem rather than is addressing it. Yeah. Feeding that um, that sinful um, part of him and continue to, to inflate that. Yeah. So exacerbating the offense that he's experiencing from his mother. Yeah, which is interesting, you know, because he's, you know, his concern in this chapter, you know, right up front is to say, hey, like, we're kind of afraid he became a Christian. Okay, mm-hmm. all right, and he's dealing with the church, but gradually the God is going to continue taking over places in his heart little by little but yes. it's not there yet yeah so let's work our way into the cracks and so it's crazy to think about even our prayer life as something that can come right. under the influence yes. of evil and come under the influence uh, of satan's attacks to turn something so good 
um, and, and something so holy into something so degraded and self-serving. Yeah, you know, and I can say, Joel, that's something I've experienced in my life because yeah. it's so subtle. You don't realize that the way you're praying is really not even healthy. If, if you're allowing um, anxiety to influence prayer too much, if you're focusing too much on your, on your feelings in prayer, and while that can be important in terms of expressing your feelings to God, we can get so self-focused in prayer that our prayer is overtaken by the problem rather than prayer addressing the problem. Right. Yeah. And I think so easily it can turn from prayer to God and being honest about those Mm -hmm. things to really you're focused on yourself and you're either praying to yourself at that point or you're praying in the direction of another person. And prayer doesn't work that way. Prayer is is communing with God and placing ourselves before him. And, and so I th- sometimes there are limits and sometimes there are there are times when we're praying, yeah. but it's sliding into non-prayer. And I think a lot of times in our culture, we don't like to think of it in terms like that because you hear a lot of people just saying, well, it's just kind of talking to God. And, it, you know, it, it becomes so, um, I don't know what, what, what I should say, but it seems yeah. uh, so ordinary or so just flippant. In a way that we can turn that our our conversation with God into, we're directing our prayers to Him, but then we're eventually we're turning our face away from Him and praying to something else. And so there's yeah. a there's a distinction between a prayer that's actually aimed at God in relationship with Him and a prayer life mm-hmm. that is not even aimed at God, and it's just us focused on other people in our own in our own stuff. Absolutely. And you know, kind of what I've experienced is prayer can become just rehearsing complaints mm. or rehearsing our disappointments and disillusionments. Um, praying about how others have hurt us, you know, and kind of complaining about that. As Wormwood is encouraged to do with the patient, uh, get him focused on all the offenses that he's experiences <laughs> from from his mother, and pray about those that right. she would be, yeah. you know, that she would be convicted, that God would address her sins. But as we do that, and as we fail to, I think, be quiet before God, and and to really allow the Holy Spirit to help us examine our own behavior and how we're, um, how we're dealing with others, how, how, how we're handling offenses from others. If we don't allow the Holy Spirit to do that deep examination with us, we can very easily get focused on others to where, again, um, it inhibits God's desire to change us. Mm-hmm. And so what, what he's really wanting Wormwood to do here is get the patient focused totally on his mom, not allowing any true self-examination to happen with his own life so that he can see how his behavior, how his words to his mom, especially the tone of his words, mm-hmm. how, how that's wrong, get him focused on the perceived offenses from his mother. It reminds me of uh, in the Gospels with the Pharisee that start, begins his prayer by saying, I thank God that I'm not like yeah. this person over here. Right. And um, that's, that's, not, that's not prayer. But that happens a lot yeah. you know, in my yeah, own life. It's so, so easy to run down and be like, God, this person, um, they really need to learn patience or they really need to stop being so judgmental. And God, they really... Uh, are so off in their theology or just pray for them and all, you know, and, and we're yeah. just looking down on them 
rather than, like you said, I love what you said about pausing and reflection Mm -hmm. and many traditions, you know, that's part of let's, let's, let's even stop and and listen and examine ourselves before Mm -hmm. we approach, before we approach God and see if there's stuff in our own heart and our own lives. And, and here again, Mm -hmm. this is kind of uh, the antidote to what screw tape is constantly trying to do he doesn't want us to reflect he doesn't want us yeah. to think deeper about anything and and even when we have enemies and well, what does jesus say pray for your enemies bless those who persecute you right. and so there's a part yeah. you know where we yeah. examine our hearts and we think why am i so harsh against this person i wonder what it's like for them i wonder why like i wonder what they've gone through in their life to where they resort to acting out like this and so we approach them through the eyes of compassion and, and the way jesus would approach them as we lift them up instead of just push them down for us to yeah. stand on top of yeah you know and that makes me think that you know probably a good way of summing up chapter 3 is is screw tape really is wanting to um, because prayer um, is something that's meant to change us. As we pray, God changes us. In in addition to responding to our, our prayer requests in different ways, but prayer is significantly about us coming before God and allowing God to going through that process of self examination, allowing the Holy Spirit to change us in prayer. And so, really, Screw Tape is advising Wormwood to disrupt that process. Disrupt the enemy's process of of transformation in the patient's life by getting his prayer time focused in the wrong ways, and that has a lot to do with humility and our attitude in prayer, and and maybe that's maybe that's how I would how I would um, in terms of application say that this chapter really causes me to say that I I need whenever I take time in prayer before God, I need to first focus on where my attitude is. And am I humbling myself first and just allowing the Holy Spirit to kind of examine where my attitude is towards God, towards others, um, towards my circumstances? You know, and that that is kind of the context on which he's attacking them. He's attacking his patient on the knowledge that he isn't as humble as he should be at the and, right, and, right. or you know, as much as he will be. And we know that Satan um, and the enemy, they're, they're filled with pride. And so that's going to be a way to try to take us out. Absolutely. You know, is, yeah. you know, is exploiting our lack of, uh, of humility. And I think, you know, as I'm thinking about this, I'm still thinking about like the prayer life and all of this, all of these strategies to to disrupt and destroy that mm-hmm. is because screw tape does not want to see this patient creating more patience. He does not Absolutely. want to see uh, this Christian convert more people into becoming Christians. Yeah. And, and, and that's the context of this. And so when I'm sure. thinking about this, when, when there's relational issues, when there are people that I'm mad at, or if someone's mad at me or these problems I see in the church or family or whatever, Mm -hmm. to be mindful of the fact that Satan does not want me to be thinking about these things in a Christ-like way and to be thinking in terms of loving others. Because the minute I do that, then I'm on God's agenda and God's plan, and God will use that to build his kingdom. And so to be wary of any time relational issues come up, this is an opportunity to 
um, to grow and to, to follow Jesus and to spread his love and set an example uh, for that. Or it could have a way of really hindering things and and tearing down the kingdom rather right. than producing the fruit that, that Christ has asked us to. That really is a great point, Joel, because Satan is not just about um, trying to tear down our faith. He really is trying to render us ineffective in yeah. terms of our witness to the world, um, our ability to build up the, the church, the body of Christ as uh, Paul refers to it. And so he, he wants to render our prayers ineffective, to, to tris, trip us up personally, but but hugely to keep us from affecting the world around us. Absolutely. So good. So, you know, as we as we wrap up, um, Mark, what are what, what's maybe, you know, a, uh, an encouragement to our listeners as, as we think through these things that we've uh, the things that we've talked about? Like what's maybe a practical step or two? Um, I know we've kind of mentioned some, but mm-hmm. just, you know, like we said, we want them to, we want our listeners to be really thinking deeply about these issues, but we don't want to stop there. We want the, yeah. we want that to come, go from the heart or from the head down to the heart and, and to take maybe a step this week. What's, what's maybe one thing that you would encourage our listeners to do? You know, I've, I've said this a lot with the, uh, young adult and college group at our at our church in different ministry moments and that is um, one of the most meaningful things for me in prayer and it, and it looks a little bit different for everybody but has been to practice when I when I first get in prayer with God is to practice not saying too much initially but to be more quiet and to focus on God and to allow him to show me where my attitude is at in that moment and whether my mind is racing and distracted with other things and to really focus on just God, on being present with God mm-hmm. rather than airing whatever my complaints or frustrations are to, to be quiet before God and to settle myself. And what I have found is that it just makes my times in prayer so much more meaningful and effective and impacting for me and quite honestly it just makes prayer a time of peace rather than coming out of prayer feeling even more frustrated because all I've done is you know air my complaints or whatever or focusing on others rather than just being with God that's so good um I think you know one thing I would I would encourage um our listeners to do maybe this week is um uh, you know, one thing that you mentioned that I think is interesting is um, is about looking at the effect of Christianity on the world. Yes, and, and yes. I know it's easy to get so frustrated with the church because we're we're not perfect, right? You know, but Christ right. loves us. He loves His bride, and He has worked a tremendous amount through us. And so I think for those of our listeners who might have had some really bad experiences lately at church, mm-hmm. or maybe they became Christians, but they've kind of maybe walked away from the church because they've, they've hit a lot of uh, disappointment and frustration. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think a couple things. One is I would, I would just ask, um, um, for those who are listening, just to maybe even pray even after listening to this and just ask God to give them, um, grace to forgive mm-hmm. those and if there are relationships that need to be mended, to maybe just take a step and, all right, Lord, like, how could I mend this and display your grace? Because I know you want me to grow as a follower of Christ into your love. How could I do that? Yeah, that's really good, Joel. And, and, I, and I think secondly is, is to approach the church 
uh, in, a, in a way of, you know, we're good at finding faults, but maybe even one, maybe a discipline that some of us need is maybe the next week, let's, let's look for the good things that God has done through the church. Maybe you could, you know, read a little bit through history or look around right now. What are maybe some, some things that the church is doing and, and just grow to appreciate what God is doing through ordinary people in ordinary places all around the world? Yeah, that, that's great advice, Joel, and that really speaks to our attitude and really what Scripture talks about so much is being thankful um, because yeah. we do tend to focus on the negative and what's happening in our immediate experience of where our emotions are at. And the more that we focus on being thankful and, and thinking about the good, what God has done and what he is doing, it really does get our, our perspective back in place and our attitude in the right place. Um, and, and I think uh, that's oftentimes half the issue. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Mark, this is this has been great. Thanks yes. for thanks for your your wise words as as, as normal <laughs> as oh. usual. Well, thank you. As our listening audience yeah. uh, won't, wouldn't be aware of otherwise, as you're getting ready to leave later today on a missions trip with yeah, a bunch yeah. of young adults, and so the fact that you're here doing this is amazing, Joel. So thank you so much for taking the time aside to do this. Well, uh, well, I love it, and. Um, you know, quick shout out to BCM and BYA. We love you guys. Thanks for yes. tuning in uh, today. Um, uh, if you haven't yet, we'd, we'd just encourage you to go ahead and hit subscribe and whatever podcast app you're, you're using. That way, anytime we post a new one, you'll, you'll get that immediately. So, so be sure to do that. And we encourage you also, if you know some people where this could benefit them to, to listen to something um, of this nature and, and hear these kinds of thoughts and, and to challenge them. I want to encourage you just to, to share that with your friends on Facebook, social media. And also, Mark and I were talking about, we'd love to hear your feedback. And so on whatever app you're using, I'm pretty sure you can leave a review, um, share your thoughts, that kind of thing. We'd love to be able to interact with you on that as well. So it helps us to get better. Uh, we don't know what the heck we're doing. We're just we're just doing it. So anything, any feedback you guys have would be uh, really great uh, to hear. So Absolutely. Uh, well, Mark, looking forward to next time. Uh, can't wait. As am I. Thank you, Joel. Yeah. Once again, thanks for joining us uh, for Between the Pages. We'll see you next time.